Hello and welcome to Women in Post, a podcast and web series for women in post-production by Women in Post-Production. Today on the show, we'll be speaking with Dana. I think you create, you create, you create, you create, you keep creating, and that's the key. Hey, Dana. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Um, How about we start out? Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what kind of work you do? I'm so glad to be here, Kristen. Thank you so much. I am Dana Ruggiero. I am a documentary filmmaker. I am the director of the Climate Listening Project, and it's kind of my production company, I guess. And so I have traveled across America and around the world listening to people's stories, and I take that documentary approach of really listening and kind of following the stories, uh, which makes interesting in post. <laughs> but, um, I've created several documentaries that are short documentaries, about 25 minutes, uh, with some great team members and collaborators. And then I've made a bunch of short videos and also am starting work on my first feature documentary. And I'm wrapping... I'm actually just finished last week in uh, production on a new documentary that I'll be entering that we're just starting working on right now, post and transcript world. Wow, you've got a lot going on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what got you started in filmmaking? You know, I was at a point where for many years I had, I used to work in television and I would take animals on television to talk about conservation and preservation and I am very passionate about the environment and about the ways that communities interact with the environment. And so I was at a point in my career where I was just hanging out with a lot of really cool people. And I was like, somebody should, you know, we should be filming this. (laughs) (laughs) I filmed some interviews with my friend who was with Discovery Communications at the time. And so then we decided to do a tour and we had Chevy come on as a partner. They were launching their first electric vehicles and hybrids. And so we, we hit the road and traveled and, and filmed sustainable farmers and uh, all these cool things around California. And so I had no idea what I was doing. I was actually filming that and, and doing sound, doing everything. And I mean, I had, I had no idea what I was doing at all. And so that was kind of how it all started. And then I started working with some really cool filmmakers and editors after that and had a chance to work on an Emmy-winning show called Years of Living Dangerously. And that's when I started the Climate Listening Project. And so that was about six years ago. And ever since then, I've had the chance to hire like 50 different creatives and make a virtual reality film and animations and uh, documentaries and all kinds of interesting work. And I've learned a lot along the way. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the key to, you know, finding these opportunities? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's all about meeting people, you know, Um, being passionate about the cause. And so I work in documentary film. And so for me, it's all about the impacted communities, the frontline communities. It's about the people. And I care deeply about the people that I'm listening to in the documentaries. So I think 
for people that are working in documentary film, you know, you don't just make a film to make a film. You're making a film about something that really, like, you're like, I have to make a film about this. You know, somebody should be making a film about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you just then are, you know, sort of network weaving and finding the right connections and, you know, the right people that, that should be a part of that movement, you know, and it's more about letting people know, like, hey, this is happening. I want to make sure that, that you're involved or that you know about it. Um, or who, who should we be talking with? Who should we be interviewing? Um, and then it's also just saying yes and meeting people like this, you know? Um, you're doing this amazing podcast. You're doing great work. I wanted to meet you, so here we are. And who knows, right? I mean, you're just always meeting really good people in the work and um, in the environmental world and in the film world for me. That's a good point. I mean, as an editor before, I didn't. I had no idea how important like a communications and a network was because a lot of the, what we do goes on behind closed doors. We get to sit by ourselves and do our own thing and like nobody bothers us, which is wonderful. But like in order to grow and find new opportunities, like we have to meet people. We have to have conversations, right? Um, so it sounds it's like hard. I want to hide in the forest all the time. I <laughs> have to go out or, you know, even just posting your social media, even just you know, just being, putting yourself out there. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, it's hard, but you gotta yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching the clip that you sent in and we'll get to that in a minute, but, um, and you mentioned you're about like um, a lot of environmental things. Um, what got you interested in that particular genre to begin with? Yeah, I definitely, you know, I remember being in college and volunteering at the local zoo, then volunteering at the local wildlife refuge, and just just caring so deeply about animals, really. And then that kind of connected me to how we interact with animals in our community. I was living in Florida at the time, and you know, how, how we interact with dolphins, how we interact with sea turtles, how we interact with things in the air, the the hawks and the eagles and, you know, the little things on the ground and the lizards. And there's so many things that are a part of our natural world. And we are also a part of that as well. And we kind of sometimes think of ourselves as separate. And I think we even often think of ourselves as separate from each other. And that's why documentary filmmaking, I think for me, has been so interesting because one of the things that I used to say when I worked with animals is I would go on television and speak for those that didn't speak for themselves. You know, animals can't speak for themselves, so I'm gonna go out and speak for them, right? Well, I think with documentary filmmaking, it's an opportunity, you know, to lift up voices that are often unheard, voices that, you know, aren't always on the, you know, on the covers of every magazine and on TV all the time. These are people that you know, sometimes not listened to. This is, so this is a really good opportunity to go out and connect with people and to help lift up their stories, help them feel listened to and see how I can help. And also just in this way of always wondering what people are thinking. I mean, I, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of weird. And so I go out and I'm, I just, um, you'll be in a room of people and I, you know, I'm just always wondering what people are thinking. And so this is a good way for me to sit down and ask people what they're thinking, what they care about. Mm-hmm. So as for somebody who might be out there thinking about making a documentary film, 
how would you suggest that they get started? Like, do you connect with a producer? Do you find funding first? How do you find those stories? You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, there's every way, right? There's no wrong answer to this question. When I started the Climate Listening Project, I had nothing. <laughs> and so I just, I picked up a camera and I started filming. And I remember going out into the forest and just filming this guy who was an ecologist. And I was, it was kind of a shaky, you know, sort of verite style, just running gun. It just listening to this guy and having this conversation on the go. And then later on, I had people approach me uh, from nonprofit organizations or funders and say, hey, would you be interested in following this story? So then I had the opportunity where I had funding up front to go and follow a story. Um, and then now I'm back in the place where I'm making this feature documentary, basically from the ground up building this project um, with nothing. And so hoping that, okay, we're going to try to get this funding from this place or that place and reaching out to different possible partners and producers uh, to collaborate with. So I think that when you really, you know, have those networks in place already, you can reach out to people and say, hey, this is the story I want to make. Will you fund it? Here's the benefits that I can give you. But also, if you have a story that you feel needs, you know, to be made, you can possibly find collaborators, you know, filmmakers and editors that might, you know, or directors or producers that might be also passionate about that and willing to work with you, you know, in the hopes that maybe you'll raise that funding. But otherwise, um, there's a lot of opportunities, like I did with the first tour, um, for branded content, you know, um, and then you get to make the, the creation that you want, but then it's sponsored by this group, you know, mm -hmm. um, get funding that way um, and then there's also nonprofit organizations out there that are working on specific issues and so if it's an issue you care about you can pitch an idea to them um, or be you know get into the network with them so that they will then come to you as somebody that could edit or 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 potentially work on a project that they want to work on mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so by branded content you mean like commercials and social media stuff well yeah I mean the thing is is like I make the films that I want to make but oftentimes it's sponsored by a nonprofit organization or it's sponsored by a company. And so it's the creation that you want. It's your film. But then at the end credits, it's, you know, presented by or executive produced by this or that. Mm -hmm. So maintaining that creative control, but then also having that. Um, I think that a lot of different groups and companies and organizations, they want you know, authentic content. They want real voices. They want content that is um, from creative people on the ground that, you know, they don't always know what it is that, that they want to make, right? And I feel that way too. That's why I work with a lot of different creatives because I don't always know this way to do motion graphics or this way to do, you know, every single thing in post you find so many people have different expertise, right? So they're the same way. Sponsors are looking to us to help them figure out like what, is, what should we create? What would you say is the number one way that you've found to connect with sponsors and to get them to say yes? Yeah, so I mean, I, this is gonna sound weird, but I, they reach out to me at this point. 
in, I think you create, you create, you create, you create, you create bad things, you create, you create, you, you lose, you do bad things, but you keep creating and that's the key. And then, you know, you just, you connect enough, you, you talk about the things you're passionate about enough and you, you let people know that, hey, I'm here, I'm on, like, get on the radar. And so they will, they will know when they want something made, when, when there's an idea that's coming, that you exist, that you're there, and that you could be helpful to them. Mm -hmm. Well, let's take a minute and look at your latest project. Like I said, this must be the good living here. Fresh country air, living off the land. That sounds wonderful, sounds beautiful, don't it? But when you're ingesting poison, not knowing, that's heartbreaking, not knowing that's what you're doing to your family. What is about that particular clip that you wanted to share today? Yeah, so I am, when I'm in production, I'm always wanting to try to be observational. I'm always trying to just have conversations, have listening happen. And so with documentary filmmaking, I think that there's an element of storyboarding that happens, but you want to be able to follow the stories. And so I think that I, you know, I'm often in conflict with, you know, people that I'm working with that are the cinematographers, the directors of photography, because you want to do a lot of stand up, talking head, you know, just interviews. So you make sure you have the good sound, you make sure that you have the good interview content. But I also just am always fighting for the running gun. I'm always fighting for just the conversations to happen. And so for me, this was just a great example of like riding in the car. We just happened to be like riding in the car because we were going from one place to another. And it was like, let's, let's mic up. Let's film this conversation. Let's talk on the way from one location to another. And it's just, I think, one of the most powerful lines that she says, and it's one of the most powerful lines that ended up in the film. And so I think, you know, you just never know when something is not scripted, right? You never know what you're going to hear. And, um, and you're just basically in editing, like cutting away, cutting, 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 so many hours and hours of interviews and and these amazing lines that people say but if you're not always filming if you're not always listening or you have you go into a situation where you have a set list of questions and you're not really listening and having a conversation with somebody you you know i don't know i think that's where the magic happens for me mm -hmm. I, just, I love that that moment in the car with tracy yeah. Now, it sounds like with documentary filmmaking, there might be like a whole lot more footage to go through than maybe, you know, a, a nonfiction sort of thing. Oh, my God. Yes. There's a saying, I have no idea who said it, but in post, in documentary filmmaking, you're basically taking like a bag of sentences and trying to arrange it into a film. You know, you just have so many great little sentences and it's not always from this person to that person to this person to that person. Sometimes you're going from this person back to that person, back to this person, and trying to arrange it in such a way that makes sense. Um, and I don't like always just going from talking head to B-roll to talking head to B-roll. 
you know, and then kind of cutting to this person in an office, you know, I don't know. It's just, you want to have these authentic moments, I think. And so I have these amazing editors that I work with. I've worked with a woman named Francine Cavanaugh. I've worked with a woman named Andrea Desky. I'm working with a woman transgender activist named Polly Chattel right now on my new health documentary. Amazing women editors and creators that like, I'm going through transcripts. I'm cutting away, cutting away, cutting away. And then they're trying to like work on like putting B-roll. Like we're like working together, going back and forth and back and forth and sitting in the room together. Or, you know, it's an honor to work with such amazing women in that work because I want them to have an element of creative control. I don't ever want this to be my film. This is not my film. This is Tracy's film that was just in that clip that we saw. This is everybody that you interview in documentary filmmaking. And you know, you don't want to just cut little pieces of things that they say. You want all of those pieces to be able to stand on their own as well mm -hmm. and these moments. And so I want them to feel good about what they've said and what has come through into the film in the hour, two hours, or six days interviews that we've done. I want the editors that I'm working with to feel good that they have creative control to say, Dana, this, no, this needs to get cut or no, we're not cutting that. I want them to feel like it's their film too. So it's a really collaborative process. And yes, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, footage. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it described that like editing a project like that can be like having this big tower of Jenga, you know, the game where you pull the pieces out. And like, if you pull the wrong piece, the whole thing just comes like, yeah. down. <laughs> That's right? so it's so true. You need that arc. You, you know, I try to end all my films on hopeful solutions. I don't try to, I don't know, in the environmental work and the climate change work, I'm trying to be hopeful. I want, I don't want to just end with really sadness. And a lot of it is really sad stuff. So, so there's that arc and bringing it home to the happy hope and the wins, you know, I, is, is, is a goal of mine. And that's sometimes hard in this. So you, you know, you need the conflict, you need all the pieces, right, of the, of the Jenga, all the pieces of the puzzle, but you can't kill too many darlings, or it's like, what even are we doing here? Uh -huh, <laughs> uh -huh. back in, it becomes a hot mess, but that's why I have great teams. <laughs> um, so what is like the, the most challenging thing that you've ever had to get through in documentary editing? You know, I think that it is cutting it down. It's cutting it down into something short. So up until now, I've really tried to make short documentary films. I've worked in short form work and it's, um, it's just what I'm most passionate about. I think that it's something that can be used easily at events. It's something that can be used easily in activism. It's something that can be screened. It's something that can be used on media and press websites. It's something that can be shared on social media. And so I, I, you know, I, I like to cut it down and cut it down and cut it down. And so there was one film where we traveled to Belize to interview uh, people there and, and in the United States on both sides of the migratory path of a, of a beautiful songbird called the wood thrush. And we made a film called the wood thrush connection. And we had been asked sort of to make a film that was like, you know, less than seven minutes, like five minutes. And so we had traveled to Belize. We had filmed here. We had all these amazing interviews. We even had additional interviews because while we were in Belize, there was this amazing kid who loved the bird and said such cute things. We're like, we got to interview this kid and adding things, you know? And so we get back and we're, we're in post and, um, 
So I was working with an amazing editor, Andrea Desky, and I remember her coming to me at one point and saying, hey, Dana, I, what if we make it 25 minutes, you know, uh-huh. this is, I've got it down to 25 minutes. She was like doing the chop, 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 chop. And like, what if we got it down to 25 minutes. Can you just ask them if they'd be okay with the 25 minute film? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went to them and I was like, Hey, what about we make it a 25 minute film instead? Well, they really needed it to be a five minute film for the, this tool that they wanted and so we were like, okay, we have to keep cutting. And so we decided then to, to do both. And we kept the 25-minute full-length uh, short film and also made a shorter version, that, a version that was six minutes. So we have both pieces now, and some are screened at events. Other, the other, now this one also is screened at, screened at events. So we have two films. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's okay. <laughs> And so, um, did they sponsor both of them then? Or it was just like, hey, double feature? Yeah, we just, we, we basically, like, I made that film in 2016, in the beginning of 2016. And right now it's 2020. And I still get requests to screen both of those films. I have a screening coming up at an art museum. I have screenings. They they just last year made it into an elementary school curriculum. Um, and that's what I care about is that the impact continues. So it's a timeless piece that is, is, is sc- shown, is screened, is used. And so sometimes it is. They, it's the shorter film and sometimes it's the longer film. Um, but no, yeah, we just, we were, we were sponsored to make one, one five minute film, but we just decided to make another one. And I just, I, I try to maintain that kind of ownership and creative control in all of the partnerships I do to be able to do that, you know, mm-hmm. to say, no, we're also going to do this. So it's not, you know, I didn't get paid more, but I also didn't get in trouble or they, I, it, it, they couldn't kill it, you know? Uh-huh. It, <laughs> Is that so? I don't want to get too detailed into that, but like, do you have to get a separate contract for that sort of thing? No. So essentially, there's an element of ownership that I maintain. So I am sponsored and contracted um, executive producers and partnerships, but I essentially create the piece and maintain creative control. So if I wanted to make you know, a bunch more pieces, I could do that as well, you know? Uh-huh. So it's not work for hire. It's like, you are a business and this is your thing. And then they are benefiting from it. Yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's often their idea to make the film. I'm just coming up with what the film is, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, what is something that you wish you had known earlier in your career so much so much oh my gosh I wish I knew everything I mean I'm just I just I think I've come to a point in my career where I've realized that you know I'm not going to be the one that knows everything and I'm and I'm just I want to always be learning you know um and so I just you know I just try to partner with people that are also always learning and and I, and that's what you know I think has been what I've loved the most about this and realizing that 
you know, it, this is a collaborative work, even though you can do these things on your own, it, it is good to collaborate because we, you know, we can't know, I don't know, we just can't know everything, right? Yeah. Like there's a sound person that knows more and then there's an animator. There's just so many people out there that are specializing in such unique ways that the more we can collaborate with each other, I think the better, but also to not be scared to do it if you don't know everything to just and you don't know the people yet to collaborate with just do it on your own and even if it's not great like just do it too you know mm-hmm. so i think i just i wish i had known more about editing when i started i wish i had known more about filming i wish i had known more about you know lighting i remember the first time that i did my first film tour it, i didn't have lighting I, I the sound was horrible i mean so yeah, I mean, there's always been times in my career where I wish that I knew more things then, but then I'd spend all this time learning those things. And I think, I don't know, you know, there's always a new lighting system. There's always a new, you know, Adobe's updating Premiere. I mean, like, it's like, I can't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to know all the things all the time. So even today, I wish I knew more, but I don't. So I'm like, ah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. Just make it happen. Yeah, I feel like there's, there's got to be an update in Premiere like every other week. Soon. I, I can't oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they do it just to make sure that people are like constantly syncing back to the home <laughs> Premiere. You know how you have to connect to the cloud? Yes. Like, oh gotta keep God. them connected. <laughs> Oh man. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I can't so, keep up with it. What is, okay. Yeah. What is your favorite element of the whole process? Oh man. In post specifically or the whole process? I mean either or. It sounds like you are kind of a jack of all trades, which is awesome. I'm a director, I think, now. I didn't know that a a while ago, but I think that's what I've become, I guess, to be. And producer-ish. So I would say that the, the most exciting part for me is meeting the people that I'm going to interview, actually being on the road, interviewing them, listening to them, and knowing in that conversation, you know, that that I'm really connecting with somebody when we hug at the end, like I'll meet somebody and they'll be like, why you, you know, like, who are you to interview me about this thing that you're not an expert on? Cause I also don't know everything about everything that I'm interviewing people about. Uh-huh. I don't know anything about anything sometimes, you know, it feels like, so there, you know, but by the end of that conversation, the way that we feel and when people, you know, when we're, when you really connect with somebody and somebody really feels listened to, somebody feels like they've been able to be their whole selves. And I feel like I've, I've really been helpful in some way. Then I feel like I'm contributing. I feel like the art that I'm creating, the work that I'm doing is helpful to people. And then I feel like I'm doing okay. (laughs) Is there like one question that you use that always gets people to open up? Oh gosh. No. (laughs) (laughs) There's no magic. There's no secret. There isn't. I think it's more of just recognizing that even when you have only a short time with people, because sometimes, I mean, 
Like we went actually to film the other day and we were kicked out of where we were. So then we had to go set up again somewhere else. So we had shorter amount of time with this person. We were losing light. We were outside at this point because we were kicked out of the indoors. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. <laughs> you know, you're going with the flow sometimes. And, but even if you have a really short time with somebody, you know, realizing that there's either, you know, if they're an introvert or they're uncomfortable, you know, you let them get through that in the beginning and you just really look somebody in the eyes. You, you really be, you know, try to be present in what they're saying. Uh, you're not always thinking about the next question and you're also taking time to ask them follow-up questions or just be silent. In, in that space of silence, allowing them to then add on to what they're saying, let them continue talking. You don't always need to respond. And, and it's also, you don't always need to have the next question. Like somebody just told you this really deep, you know, heart information and you're like, okay, next question, <laughs> you know, like live in that moment for a second. Let them really feel listened to. Let them know that you're not just thinking of the next question, that you're not judging them, that you're not going to debate them. I don't think we get a lot of that in today's world where you just really feel listened to. Yeah. I'm not offering them help, advice. I'm not debating them. I'm not, you know, I'm not somewhere else. I'm just there listening to them. And then that's when. It, and even sometimes when you're interviewing somebody who's almost like a spokesperson, you got to let them get their talking points out first and they, they have all the good little things they're going to say. And then, you know, you get, you get comfortable and you get to be where you're just together in that moment and the cameras kind of melt away and you're just, you're just having a conversation, um, really listening to somebody and, and the, that, that, that magic, you, you could feel it. And, and that's when I feel, and then by the end, we're like crying, we, you know, I don't know. It's just, I look, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's gotta be really like refreshing maybe therapeutic for someone just to listen to you, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't think we get it enough. And, you know, that's why what you're doing is so important too. I mean, anytime that you're, you know, lifting up women that are doing this work, and giving giving all of us an opportunity to be listened to, um, it's powerful. And then you kind of share this podcast out with the world in hopes that others will listen as well. And that's what you know you do with the film. You you listen, and then you hope others listen too. And then they're inspired to share their stories or to be better listeners. Um, and and then the world is a better place. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no more wars. No yeah. more crying. <laughs> The end. We solved it right here. <laughs> <laughs> we got this, Gina. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, if people want to follow up with you and see what projects you're working on, where can they find you online? How can they reach you? Yeah. So Climate Listening Project is my is my production. So climatelisteningproject.org or you can find me on social media at Dana Ruggiero, which is <laughs> D-A-Y-N-A-R-E-G-G-E-R-O. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll put a link, we'll put a link in the show notes. Easier, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching. I'd love to hear from you. 
If you enjoyed this week's episode, give us a like, leave us a question or a comment, and share with your friends. Your viewership and support helps promote women working in film. Follow us on Instagram, subscribe to us on YouTube, and join our Patreon community. Interested in being a guest or sponsor on the show? Send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. See you next week on Women in Post.